Holy Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege to be among the living today. Glory, praise, honor, and adoration be unto your holy name now and forevermore. Our dear Lord, we ask that you would sanctify us today with your words and that you would consecrate us to your service. Help us, Lord, to learn something more that will bring us to be in the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On that note, Lord, I ask for the gift of your Holy Spirit upon all of us who are listening. And I pray, Lord, that your word shall be put in my own lips. For I have nothing to say to your children whom you died for that will be a blessing to them. Therefore, Lord, speak through me and bless us all, O Lord. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, August 25 Too Drunk to Think When the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded to bring Vashti, the queen, before the king with the crown royal to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. Esther chapter 1 verse 10 and 11 when this command came from the king, Vashti did not carry out his orders because she knew that wine had been freely used and that Ahasuerus was under the influence of intoxicating liquor. For her husband's sake as well as her own, she decided not to leave her position at the head of the women of the court. It was when the king was not himself when his reason was dethroned by wine drinking that he sent for the queen that those present at his feast men besotted by wine might gaze on her beauty she acted in harmony with a pure conscience vashti refused to obey the king's command thinking that when he came to himself he would commend her course of action but the king had unwise advisers they argued it would be a power given to woman that would be to her injury. However high their office, men are, am men are amenable to God. The great power exercised by kings often leads to extremes in exaltation of self, and the worthless vows made to enact laws which disregard the higher laws of God leads to great injustice. Occasions of indulgence, such as are pictured in the first chapter of Esther, do not glorify God. But the Lord accomplishes His will through men who are nevertheless misleading others. If God did not stretch forth His restraining hand, strange representations would be seen. But God impresses human minds to accomplish His purpose, even though the one used continues to follow wrong practices. And the Lord works out his plans through men who do not acknowledge his lessons of wisdom. In hand is, his, is the heart of every earthly ruler to turn whithersoever he will as he turneth the waters of the river. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Too Drunk to Think. 
and we are taking a very great leap of over 100 years since the last study that we had in our devotion. We ended looking at the destruction of Jerusalem in the days of Nebuchadnezzar which occurred in about 605 BC. The kingdom of Babylon reigned for many years till about 538 BC and the Persians as it was prophesied by Isaiah came and took over the kingdom. For 70 years the children of Israel, precisely Judah, were under the captivity of the Babylonians. After 70 years, the Persians came. Reading from the book of Isaiah chapter 44, reading from verse 24, it says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by itself, by myself, that frustrateth the tokens of the liars, and maketh diviners mad, that turneth wise men backward, and maketh their knowledge foolish, that confirmeth the, f- the word of his servant, and perf- performeth the counsel of his messengers, that saith to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited, and to the cities of Judah ye shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof, that saith to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up the rivers, that saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Chapter 45 now says, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations before him. And I will lose the loins of kings to open before him the two leafed gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I'll stop there for now. That's just to show us how it is that the affairs of this world do not take the Lord by surprise. He is in control. Anything you see taking place in this world, the Lord is in control. And he uses even wicked men to accomplish his purposes. The the maids and the Persians are the ones that were led by King Cyrus. King Cyrus conquered the Babylonians and the Persian kingdom being stronger than the uh, mid uh, the Median kingdom was the one that was ascending more and more and they had many kings from that uh, kingdom. This name Ahasuerus that we're looking at today, his name is also Ataxexis and uh, we had some other Zexis, Ataxexis 1, Ataxexis 2, all of them in different times uh, reigned in Persia. Now at the days of Esther, is a long time after the captivity was over, that's the 70 years captivity. The man Ahasuerus who we are studying about today is also known as, as Zexis. He reigned from about 486 BC to 465 BC. He is before, Esther is before the days of Ezra and also before the days of Nehemiah. So that's the background to what we are looking at today. It so happened that in the kingdom of the Medes, they used to have this feast of 180 days, that's six months. And after this feast, the king decided to make a seven-day feast for everybody. The first part of the feast of 180 days was special, but the one week in Esther 1 verse 5 it says and when these days were expired that's 180 days the king made a feast unto all the people that were present in Shushan the palace 
both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. And in verse 7 it says, And they gave them drink in vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law. None did compel, for so the king appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Verse 9 now says, Also, Vashti the queen made a feast for the women in the royal house which belonged to Ahasuerus, to King Ahasuerus. Verse 10 now says, On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bista, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abakta, Zeta, and Carcass, the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king, to bring Vashti the queen before the king with her crown royal to show the people and the princess her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth, and his anger burned in him. Then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner towards all that knew law and judgment. So it so happened now that these his um, seven counselors, his wise men, especially a man called Memukan, was the one who gave him the advice, saying in verse 18, in verse 16, And Memukan answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen has not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in all the provinces of the king of Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes which have heard of the deed of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal command from him, and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all his empire, for it is great, all the wives shall go shall give their husbands honor both to great and small. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Memukan. Now, this advice given by Memukan and the other counselors was not a good one. The reason is because Queen Vashti's decision was the decision to respect Ahasuerus. The, this, the, the, what she did in not listening to him was out of respect for him. She wasn't trying to disrespect him. You see, the, bound is not, the, the wife is not bound to fulfill every desire of her husband. As an individual, she has her right to choose. And we have looked at this in the a previous devotion where we looked at a mismatched pair. That is in our devotion for June 11. We looked at the rights of a wife, her individuality. For you to know more about that, you can go and listen to that devotion. But for now, we're just looking at what uh, Vashti did and what caused it. She respected him and that was the reason why she didn't do it. Because he was drunk. If he had gotten back to his senses and realized what he did in bringing his wife to a place where people were drunk, what would have happened? They would have misused her in that place because they were drunk. If she came there for display like he said he himself would have done things that he would regret and not only him but the other men who were there would have also done things that when their eyes were cleared the king himself would be ashamed for what he has done for making his wife a public figure 
if she had come there, who knows what would have what would it have led to? Men under the influence of alcohol have done nasty things. These men were under the influence of alcohol only we can only speculate and think and look at other things people have done to know what they could have done because it's the same thing we've heard of men like ted bundy under the influence of alcohol would also will always do evil things to women and many men today still under the influence of alcohol have beaten their wives black and blue others have raped their wives under the same influence of alcohol what my brothers do you think what my sisters do you think would have happened to queen vashti had she gone to that feast where the bible says here that the record is the man king ahasuerus was merry with wine he was not in his senses and so it was with other people who were with him there it wouldn't have gone well with vashti and not only with her but king ahasuerus when he recalls and bring comes to his senses he would so be embarrassed and would be he wouldn't even know what to do anymore he might have even want to kill everybody who in not in their right senses would have misused his wife she did the right thing but she suffered for it what do we learn from that you see it was the will of god that vashti be removed from being queen not because she was a bad person but the lord was trying to work out something for his children you see it was his will for vashti to be removed just as it was his will for his son jesus to die on the cross of calvary for the good of all men God does not justify the wicked acts of men, but whatever be the consequences of obedience, we are to accept it as the will of God. We are not to try to maintain our position by going against God's word. Vashti did right and hoped the king would make the right decision when the wine left him. We are also to follow this worthy example of Queen Vashti. We are to hope for the best, but expect the worst. But fear of the worst possible consequence is not to be a reason for disobedience vashti knew that it is possible that the king will misunderstand her but she still did the right thing we also can be misunderstood when we do the right thing but let us press on if this hidden woman vashti could do right and bear the consequence of being removed from being a queen and all her estates taken away from her for what purpose did she do it just for the mere preservation of her own dignity and the dignity of her husband that was all what more christians of today we have a, a reward that the lord has kept for us if we can do the right thing and bear the consequences here on earth what was vashti pres- preserving just her own dignity and her husband's dignity we have a crown to preserve we have mansions prepared for us in the kingdom of god we have eternal life waiting for us we have angels to see we have men who have died and have also preserved their own place in the kingdom of god who we have been talking about in previous devotions how would you like to see david how would you like to see king manasseh how would you like to see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Wouldn't you love to see them? It would be a wonderful reunion. All we need to do now is be like Queen Vashti. Maintain the right thing and bear the consequences no matter what it is. But there will be something preserved for you. More than your dignity, more than your husband or wife's dignity, there is a reward that will be given to you. Even being with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, forever and ever. 
that's one lesson we get from here you see we see that vashti's character looked like pride and insubordination but that's not it w- what it was another lesson is for the men it is not for a man to make a request that is evil from his wife and expect that she would always do what he says the king's request was worthy to be denied when as leaders we make r- unreasonable requests or decisions and our subordinates go against us let us not out of pride punish them and anyone at all who disobey us either by withdrawing our sympathies from them or in any other way possible. This is injustice and God takes note of it. Wherever we are, let us beware of this. God is watching us. We are not to deal in such a dishonest manner with people but honestly and fairly with people, with our wives, with our subordinates realizing that we are not above error. What King Ahasuerus could have done at that time was not to allow his pride to rise up. Oh, you disobeyed me. I cannot take it. But he was to admit that he did wrong and then not withdraw his sympathies from his wife. There are some of us who will admit that we were wrong, but we will now start carrying a face for the person that corrected us and we will be cold towards them because they corrected us. Vashti was the one who mildly rebuked her husband. That's what, but she didn't intend to. She, had, she was left with no other choice. If she wanted to do right, he could have just taken it in the cheek and even thanked her for doing what she did because it would have brought shame to him had she listened and obeyed him. This is a lesson for us, especially I would say, husbands to learn. And the other lesson is the issue of alcohol. People have done evil terrible things many accidents we are told that 50 percent of accidents one person is under the influence of alcohol many lives have been taken many women have been beaten many children are today suffering for being fatherless or motherless or even themselves being victims of direct violence from their parents because of this thing called alcohol the bible says that we should stay away from it it defiles us it makes man to be possessed by demons that which is physical is connected to that which is spiritual there are things we do to ourselves like the taking of alcohol that opens the gate of our mind and opens the body to be possessed by demons alcohol is one of the ways the sorceries of satan that we put into our mouth that opens the door for demons to come and take over the body for a season and under that influence of alcohol, oh my, the kind of things that happen, the records show, is terrible. Let us beware of alcohol. Those three lessons we have learned. But now, I want us to see the consequences of this action. How the Lord worked with this thing that happened to Queen Vashti. We read in the last paragraph of our devotion that says, Occasions of indulgence such as are pictured in the first chapter of Esther do not glorify God. But the Lord accomplishes his will through men who are nevertheless misleading others. If God did not stretch forth his restraining hand, strange presentations would be seen. But God impresses human minds to accomplish his purpose, even though the one used continues to follow wrong practices. And the Lord works out his plans through men who do not acknowledge his lessons of wisdom. In his hand is the heart of every earthly ruler, to turn whithersoever he will, as he turneth the waters of the river. Amen. What is it that the Lord was trying to work out as Vashti was removed from being queen? You see, the Lord knows the end from the beginning. 
he foresees things that man cannot see and for this reason we are to wait on the lord like we learned in our previous devotion the lord said calm down the vision which you have seen though it tarries it will not tarry we learned that we are to wait for god to fulfill his promises in his own time and in his own way at this time there might have been some jews who would have cursed ahasuerus and said wicked man but they did not know that through this wickedness that ahasuerus did god was going to work out the preservation of the jews in the kingdom of the persians they didn't know we could have cursed if we were Jews there. We could have been offended and speak, spoken evil of him. But the removal of Vashti worked out something that the Lord wanted to do. Installation of Esther as a queen in the land of the Persians, which was going to also work out the preservation of the life of the Jews. We learn a lesson. Do not speak too evil about things like that. Understand that the Lord knows what he is doing. After Vashti was removed, it reads in the book of Esther chapter 2 verse 2, Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, Let there be fair young virgins sought for the king, and let the king appoint officers in all the provinces of his kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, unto the custody of Hij, the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things for purification be given them and let the maiden which pleased the king be queen instead of Vashti. And the thing pleased the king, and he did so. You see, all this while, the Lord is the one coordinating it. If we read the book of Daniel, you see how it was that at the time when he was having a vision, when he was praying in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel was praying for God to reveal to him what the previous visions that were given to him means. And Gabriel came to him and said some words to him to make him understand that the affairs of this world are controlled by God, that the minds of kings is in the hand of God and he is the one who brings about ideas to their mind and Satan tries to do the same thing but God will always prevail. The words of Gabriel to Daniel was this in the book of Daniel chapter 10 reading from verse 21 he said, But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. Verse 20, he says, Then said he, that's Gabriel said, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grisha shall come forth. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth me with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. Amen. What was it that Gabriel meant here? that he is going to fight against the prince of Persia and then the prince of Grisha will come. What Gabriel is simply saying is this, that the events that is taking place in the kingdom of Persia was something of importance and that he was involved and being upheld by Michael, which is Christ, to do certain things in that kingdom that will bring about the next kingdom, which is Greece. Now that shows us a lesson that a lot of things are happening in the world that God has a hand in it trying to bring about his own will. 
And in this case of Esther, God had a hand in it and was trying to bring about his own will. And whatever the Lord wants to happen, he will bring it about. Even though the devil thinks he's having a victory in doing certain things. But no, the Lord will always do what he likes. Now continuing the reading in Esther chapter 2, reading from verse 5, he says, Now in Shushan, the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jaya, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Hmm. Do you remember who Kish is? Kish is the father of Saul. So, this Shimei is most likely the brother to King Saul. And that's where this man Mordecai is from. And you know the story of Esther that eventually there was a man called Haman who intended to destroy all the Jews. Do you know why that is happening? Do you know why that happened? See, devil knew what was coming a few years from now something was going to happen it was just ticking down ticking down and the devil wanted to spoil the lord's plan and what was the plan he knew that the messiah was coming very soon and it was through these jews that it was supposed to come satan had worked and worked and worked to see that the lord will destroy the jews and that he will not do what he wants to do remember that we read in our previous devotion that the jews which is the children of judah and benjamin and levi they did worse than the kingdoms which were there before them in jerusalem but the lord did not destroy them satan was trying to move the lord to destroy them but he didn't so he tried now to do it by himself and he was making a plan which the lord knew to bring about the extermination of all Jews and ethnic cleansing through the king of Persia. But the Lord knew it all and was already working something out to ensure that that would happen. That that would not happen. What was Satan's interest in destroying the Jews? All his interest is in that one person, Jesus Christ. He didn't want Jesus to come because he knew that it was going to be showed down whenever Jesus comes. That his doom will either come to pass or he will finally get the victory forever and ever and he will establish sin in this world so that is the relevance of this story of esther so continuing the reading now it we just saw the introduction of mordecai a benjamite from he's the son of kish esther chapter 2 reading from verse 6 now it says he had been carried away from jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with jeconiah king of judah whom nebuchadnezzar the king of babylon had carried away and he brought up Hadash, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. And the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. I want you to take note of this. She was fair and beautiful before she even went to meet the king. We'll talk about that later. Verse 8 now says, So it came to pass, when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together unto Shushan the palace, to the custody of Hegai, that Esther was brought also unto the king's house, to the custody of Hegai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him. Take note of that. Before Esther has even gone for her purification, Hegai saw her and was already pleased. And she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily hasted, gave her her things for purification. What is this word purification? The Hebrew word there simply means soap or detergent for bathing and washing. That's exactly what it is. With such things as belonged to her and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house. Now hear these words. He says, and he 
preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Now, when every maid's turn was come to go in to King Ahasuerus, after that she had been twelve months according to the manner of the women, for so were the days of their purifications accomplished, to wit, six months with oil of mire, and six months with sweet odors, and with other things for the purifying of the women. Olive, what is this purifying referred to here? This purifying of the women, um, the sweet odors. The sweet odors here, if you check the Hebrew word, is referring to olive oil mixed with mire and balsam plants, which had a very good smell. And then there were other sweet smelling spices. So we just call it perfume. That's all. Olive oil mixed with perfume. Now verse 13 says, Then thus came every maiden, listen now, every maiden unto the king, whatsoever she desired was given her to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned into the second house of the women to the custody of Shazgaz, the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubines. She came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her, and that she were called by name. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king, listen, it says, she required nothing. But what Hegai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the woman, appointed. Remember that in verse 13, it says that every maid, when they want to go in, whatsoever they desired was given to them. But in the case of Esther, verse 15, it says she did not take anything except what the chamberlain gave to her. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So, someone, somebody may be thinking, what was the king doing with these ladies? Was he sleeping with all of them? No. There were other people who were there examining them. It was not just King Ahasuerus, there were other people. So it says here, Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. So when she went to the king, it was not just the king who was there, other people were there. So in case you are wondering, what was he doing with them? Because somebody has asked me that before, whether was he sleeping with all the women? No, that's not what was happening. So verse 16 says, So Esther was taken unto King Ahasuerus into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So take note of that. They were virgins. He didn't sleep with them. So that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Then the king made a great feast unto all the princes and his servants, even Esther's feast. And he made a release to the province and gave gifts according to the state of the king. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, so for them to be virgins to come there the second time, it means the king did not sleep with them. Then Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people as Mordecai had charged her, for Esther did the commandment of Mordecai, like as when she was brought up with him. Amen. So, thus the Lord brought Esther into favor everywhere she went. Before she even went there, she was favored by Mordecai. When she came to this place where they were supposed to choose um, the person who would be the next queen, 
The person who was there, Hegai, already saw her and admired her even before she went through purification. So, I'm saying that because no one should think that it was the purification that Esther went through that made her to be loved by the king. She was already loved by Hegai and when Hegai saw her, oh, he hasted, that's what the Bible, speedily to give her everything she wanted because she was fair to look upon and she was already beautiful. She was not beautiful because of something that was done to her in the 12 months that she spent in that purification, the use of the oil and all of that. No, no, no. It wasn't that. Even when she went to meet the king, we'll talk about that. But firstly, let's look at what happened here. Why is it that Mordecai told Esther not to tell anyone? Maybe your guess may be as good as mine. It is because sometimes people misunderstand things. There are some who will feel like, what is Mordecai doing? Oh, this is apostasy. Why is he taking Esther for this kind of ungodly event? You know, the Jews look down on other people. They look down on the Persians, they look down on the Medes, they look down on the Babylonians. Oh, we want to have nothing to do with them. If Mordecai had told them, oh, they would have misunderstood everything. They wouldn't have known that this particular decision of of Mordecai was going to be their own preservation. Sometimes we can become unnecessarily critical of certain things that are done because we judge things based on man's standards. But when judged by God's standards, things are seen differently. It has never been a sin for one to aspire for appointments and positions. But when this is done, the child of God must ever pray for the will of God to be done. You see, Mordecai kept the secret even from his family so that it would not arouse the suspicion of the Jews unnecessarily. Through this same means, God was going to save the Jews' life. But there is a thin line here. Just because appointments to positions are permitted by God, that does not mean that we should cross the line and justify politics. Esther was no politician. She only applied lawfully for a position which she was interviewed for. Just like any other person may today apply for positions to be interviewed to get a job. There was no campaigning or voting here. There was no calling of people to come and choose her while she spoke evil of others like politicians do. They speak evil of other people and say, I will do this, I will do that, making promises that they may not keep and then rally for people to vote them. Esther didn't do anything like that. She just simply applied for a job without compromising her faith and take note of that words, underline it, without compromising her faith and she got the job. She took her religion with her. She did not drop her standard and her religion because of the job she was applying for. There was no compromise. You see, positions of influence are good when in the hands of God's children and when no compromise is done to attain that position. Esther did not do as other women. As we read in the record, she was already beautiful and fair to look upon and appealing even before she was brought for the 12 months purification. That purification was unnecessary for Esther. She would have been chosen without it because even before she was admitted, she was already favored. When the time came to see the king, all other women took a lot of things that they required with them. You know, perhaps they went there with dancing and superfluous dressing and makeup and adornments of gold and silver and all kinds of jewelries and uh, and the decorations and do a lot of um, makeup on their body. But Esther, the Bible records in, sec- in Esther chapter 2 verse 15 that she required nothing but what Hegai the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women appointed. And what was it that Hegai the king's chamberlain appointed? We read that in verse, verse 9. 
What did he appoint? It says in verse 9, And the maiden pleased Haggai, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her things for purification. And I've told you what that is. Soap. That's all. With the things that belonged to her, which are seven maidens, which were meat to be given to her. And then later on, we know that they were given some perfume. That's all. So she didn't take any other thing extra. There was no makeup. There was no superfluous dressing she didn't require any other thing that's not me saying it that's what the bible says because if she said please i need this dress i need that dress i need makeup i need some bands to come with me so that i can dance when i'm going to meet the king she's the bible says she didn't require any other thing she didn't request for any jewelry she went there just as she came in when her guy loved her and served her because he saw that this lady was different she did not compromise her faith that is my point. Like I said, that purification seems to be unnecessary for her. And she went in just as she was, and the king accepted her. She became queen. Here is a lesson for us when we are aspiring to get a job or aspiring for a particular position. Do not compromise your faith. The Lord has not stopped you from going about with your ambitions. But where the Lord will have a problem with us is when, while going for our ambitions, we compromise our faith and drop down the standards and do things that will not represent Him properly. But I tell you something, if you maintain your religion and hold on to your faith as you should, the Lord will bless you. Vashti held on to what was right and it was blessing for her to be removed. Don't think that blessing is always when you are getting a high position. No. Esther held on to what was right and it was the blessing of the Lord that she should be exalted to the position of being queen. We read in the book, Messages to Young People, page 36, paragraph 1. It says, Dear youth, what is the aim and purpose of your life? Are you ambitious for education that you may have a name and position in the world? Have you thoughts that you dare not express? That you may one day stand upon the summit of intellectual greatness? that you may sit in deliberative and legislative councils and help to enact laws for the nation. There is nothing wrong in these aspirations. You may, every one of you, make your mark. You should be content with no mean attainments. Aim high and spare no pains to reach the standard. The fear of the Lord lies at the foundation of all true greatness integrity unswerving integrity is the principle that you need to carry with you into all the relations of life take your religion into your school life into your boarding house into all your pursuits the important question with you now is how to so choose and perfect your studies that you will maintain the solidity and purity of an untarnished Christian character, holding all temporal claims and interest in subjection to the higher claims of the gospel of Christ. You want now to build as you will be able to furnish, to so relate yourself to society and to life that you may answer the purpose of God in your creation just as Esther did. As disciples of Christ, you are not debarred from engaging in temporal pursuits, but you should carry your religion with you just like Esther did. Whatever the business you may qualify yourself to engage in, never entertain the idea that you cannot make a success 
a success of it without sacrificing principle. Amen. End of quote. This is what we should etch in our minds. The Lord's will for us will only be fulfilled by those that keep His commandments. If you have to cheat to get a particular position, it may be that the Lord actually wanted you to get that position, but you have already tarnished your reputation and the records of heaven are there that you cheated or you did something wrong, you dropped standard. Esther did not drop standard even in her dressing. Many of us today want to go and apply for a job and we feel that we must put the lipstick. We feel that we must put those earrings. We feel that we must put that makeup. There's nothing wrong in looking good. Take care of yourself. Look okay. Take away your hair. Set it well. But there is a line that you must not cross. Do not do that cross-dressing. Dressing like a man just because you want a job. Don't wear those skirts that will reveal your laps and will make the people who are interviewing you to be bamboozled so that they cannot think well again. Do not think that you must show them the cleavage so that you can turn their minds upside down so that they wouldn't think properly and think that you'll get the job because of that. Do not say things that you know are not true. Do not falsify that document. Do not go for that interview on the holy day of the Lord, the Sabbath. When you do that, you are dropping the standard and you are changing the course of God's plan for you. You cannot say that it was God who gave that to you when you had to compromise, when you had to drop standards to get that job. The Lord has not debarred us from being ambitious and developing ourselves and aiming high, but He has debarred us from doing what we are doing in being ambitious and aiming high and compromising principle. Messages to Young People, page 40, paragraph 1. You can also find it in Education, page 18 and 19. It says, Higher than the highest human thought can reach is God's ideal for His children. Godliness. Godlikeness is the goal to be reached before the student is opened a path of continual progress. He has an objective to achieve, a standard to attain that includes everything good and pure and noble. He will advance as fast and as far as possible in every branch of true knowledge, but his efforts will be directed to objects as much higher than mere selfish and temporal interests as the heavens are higher than the earth. Amen. End of quote. So, brothers and sisters, the Lord wants us to learn this lesson of not making compromises and also don't have a narrow mind into thinking that just because somebody is ambitious in this direction may be wanting to have an appointment. Not politics now. Not politics. But just applying for a job in a particular position because the government actually appoints people but people apply for those positions somebody can be appointed as a minister of works minister of power minister of housing and all of that those are appointed positions and there's nothing wrong in taking appointed positions not just in being called for it but also in applying for it what we the lord will have an issue with is us being involved in politics that is where the Lord has issues. And why is that so? I will explain now. The reason is this. When you go into politics, it is designed in such a way that you are vouching for people, humans, men, 
and saying because these people are going to hold positions and the lord will hold you responsible let, let, let's look at for example uh when trump was in power in the u.s as a president from 2016 to 2020 there's this certain lady they call aoc alexandra ocasio cortez who is one of the lawmakers in the u.s and there was something she was doing which i think was unnecessary but then just here there's some sense in what she was saying she was saying because she does not agree with whatever trump was doing that she's holding those who voted him responsible that was what aoc was saying she said she's going to take down their names and whenever the next person comes into power that those people will be punished now was she right in saying that they were going to be punished certainly not but one thing i know that she was right about was that whatever Trump did when he was in position, those who voted him bear the responsibility. Did he do wrong? Did he do right? That's not my concern. But whether he did right or wrong, whatever he did in power, it is those who placed him there that are responsible. You cannot vouch for any man. When the Lord says do not do that, then it is important that we take note of that. The children of Israel requested for a king. Whatever the king did when he was in position, God held the children of Israel responsible that they were the ones that sinned. They were the ones who requested for themselves a king. So also with us, when we involve in politics, you don't know what you are doing. And the Lord holds, hear, hear me very well, I'm saying it. This is the problem. The Lord will hold you responsible. If that person, when he is in power, brings about laws that are not in harmony with the will of God, God holds those who put him there responsible. Secondly, when you look at this thing called democracy, for example, it is power to the majority. Do you like power to the majority, especially on this earth when you are a child of God who is in the minority? Do you think that laws should be made based on who is in the majority or laws should be made based on the absoluteness of the law as the law of God and the truth? Truth is truth. Right is right. It doesn't depend on what the majority says. The ruler who people choose and whatever laws are made based on the majority does not make it right. And if you are supporting that kind of system that says the majority is right, then you are just condemning yourself and justifying those who will condemn you when you are in the minority. Do you justify it? That because some people are in majority and they make a law that is against the minority or let's say against Christians for example because they are in the minority, then they are right. Are they right because they are in the majority? No, they are not. If you say they are not, that means you also are not right to support a system that says the majority should rule. Whatever the majority says, that is what should pass. If you say, oh, I want to go and vote, you are already supporting a system that says majority should rule. Therefore, when it is in a situation where you are not in the majority, you are to accept whatever is said and say that that is the right thing to do. This is the reason why you should remove your hands from politics and many more reasons, of course. But the other thing I'm saying now, appointments like Esther had here, nothing wrong with that. But remember that we should not compromise. So in summary, let me just bring out all the lessons we've learned from here. Be careful not to allow your pride to stop you from accepting what is right like King Ahasuerus did. If you see that you have made a wrong decision and your people who are your subordinates are correcting you, humbly accept it. Secondly, like Queen Vashti, let us remember that we have an eternal reward, that when we make the right decisions and suffer for it, it is not just our dignity we are preserving on this earth because Vashti just preserved her dignity and her husband's own. We have a heaven to win. We have our Lord Jesus to meet. So let us not be careful about our losses, but make sure we make the right decision and the reward of the Lord will be ours. 
And thirdly, we learn the lesson that God works out through the decisions that are made on this earth. Whether it is true, wicked men or not, he has his will and he will bring it about through the things that are happening in this earth. The heart of kings is in his hand. And finally, we should not compromise. Is that final? No, that's just one of them. We shouldn't compromise when we are ambitious. When you want to do whatever you want to do, do not drop the standards. Maintain the standard to the strictest format and ensure that you do it well so that the Lord will bless you and so that you will know his will for your life. If you compromise the standards and get what you want, then you have gone in the direction the Lord did not take you to. You got it for yourself, not the Lord giving it to you. The other lesson I think which is the final one is that we shouldn't be narrow-minded. Nothing wrong in taking appointments. Don't be narrow-minded. And joined with that is the fact that Mordecai had to keep this thing secret from narrow-minded people. It is wise for you to ensure that when you know people cannot understand something you are doing, do not compromise what you are doing by making it known to them because you will arouse them against you and you may not achieve what you want to achieve. May the Lord bless us. Let us pray. Thank you, loving Father, for all these lessons that you've taught us. I pray that you help us to put all of it into practice by your grace. Help your children, Lord, that the words that have been spoken will be properly received. Help, O oh Lord, that it will not be taken out of context. And also, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace to be ambitious for your glory and not to compromise any principle. I pray, Lord, forgive us. There have been times we have made compromises, whether in our address, whether in our documents, whether in our standards in any form to get something lord have mercy forgive us for these things and help us from henceforth to be like vashti to make no compromise regardless of the consequences that we may be in your kingdom at last in jesus name i've prayed